Welcome to Gardening Tour, back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard, joined by Judy Sharp today. Great to see you back in the studio, Judy. Good to see you, Greg. Excellent. What do you got lined up for us today, Judy? Well, I thought I'd um, oh, just talk about one important fact to start with. Yep. I mean, I know how popular this station is, and you do too, of course. Yep. Um, and I always have uh, the station on in my shop, and my youngest um, member of staff, who's only 18, he does karaoke to the music all the time. <laughs> and I, how do you know those songs? Oh, you know, I do karaoke. And so I went to the junction last Friday to do a bit of shopping. Yep. I go to the butchers. Ron the Butcher has two NURFM on. Oh, excellent. Judy, I, I want to ask you a question. I said, well, you might have to ring up Monday. So then I do the shopping and then I go to somewhere that we won't mention what it is, but it's in Coles. Okay, yep. And... Uh, uh, Warwick always serves me because sometimes the shelves are hard to reach on the kind of liquid I'm looking for. Yep. And um, uh, he said to me, oh, Jude, Jude, when are you on again? I said, oh, Monday probably, why? And he said, oh, I've got a few questions I need to ask you. I said, ask me now. He said, but I have two NURFM on every day in this <clears throat> Bee shop, yep. And I said, "Oh, that's unusual for a bee shop." And uh, okay, so Warwick has problems with aphids on his roses, right? So the answer is he's tried everything. So now he needs to spray them with probably malathon, and when to plant his roses. I said, "Warwick, I'm sure you ask me this every year." So for all the other listeners out there, you can't plant the roses yet. It's a little bit too early. Because right. they could get dieback. So when we're waiting? Well, probably when you see them, you know, you will see them in retail outlets now, but I think it's a little early. Probably wait until June okay. and plant them then, yeah. Because right, yeah. Uh, they, they're, when you buy them, you know, they're actually dead, they're dormant. Oh, that's a nice thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> so other things we could talk about, spring bulbs, um, when to plant different annuals, uh, depends if we get enough time. Now, Judy, you mentioned before about planting roses, but also when to be pruning them too. Oh, well, uh, that is uh, the serious question. So well, the serious question. That's the serious question. Uh, I should have covered that in the t- at the top. But, uh, look, a lot of people start to get testy now because their roses are looking so miserable, yep. particularly after we've had a lot of rain. They get black spot and fungal diseases. A lot of roses have got scale on at the moment. So everyone gets tempted to cut the life out of them, and it's too early, right. far too early. You need to wait till they start to go into their dormant period, which is generally in on the coast. You could do it, do them at the end of June uh, inland. Sometimes uh, the Hunter Valley residents wait until August before right, they prune. Yeah, yeah, because they you need them to be going into their dormant state for them to shoot nicely when they come out of it. But also when you prune them, you spray them with lime sulphur. And that keeps the insects down for 12 months. Yep. Uh, and then you should give them a bucket full of poultry manure each. A full bucket full. A full bucket. A full bucket. Yep. <laughs> they love it. They absolutely love it. Um, and then three weeks later, a handful of rose food. Now, obviously, those instructions don't apply to people growing roses in pots. You wouldn't give them the poultry manure. You might right. burn them. So then you would use sudden impact which is a slow-release fertiliser. 
but I generally don't prune my own roses till the middle of July. Okay. And I'm on the coast. Uh, so, you know, anyone that's itching to get their fingers on the uh, pruners... Just, just wait. Just wait. Wait a few months. Wait a few months, yeah. Right, excellent. So now, Judy, you've mentioned something about bulb, spring bulbs. Yes, yeah, spring bulbs. I know we're, um, we're out um, getting into it early, but it's time to plant them. You need to plant them by the end of May. And uh, please, gardeners or listeners, yep. don't forget the ones you put in the crisper in the fridge. Okay, why? Why? I hoped you'd ask me that, Craig, because it tricks tulips and hyacinths to make them think they're under the snow. Okay. It triggers their flowering. Yeah, right. Mm. How does, how, why does it do that? Because they like the cold. Okay. They're cold climate plants. All right. You know, that's why they have fields and fields of them in Holland and places. Yep. They just absolutely love the cold. So it's time to plant them, and when you plant them, you should do it by the end of May, but definitely add some fertiliser. Okay. And then when they emerge out of the ground, you then fertilise them again. And when they're dying off and their the leaves are getting yellow and dreadful, yep. you then uh, have to fertilise them again. And you don't cut the leaves off because as they die down, that's when they make the protein to multiply the bulbs for next year. Interesting right. stuff, it is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit scientific. It's very scientific for this show. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Frank from Charlestown, and he seems like he's got some sick lavender. Oh, good afternoon, Frank. Yeah, good afternoon, Judy. How yeah, we've are got you? Lavender. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. I'm better than the lavender, though. Um, <laughs> is it going brown? Uh, it's it's really um, sort of spindly. It's in. We have it planted in two pots. It's in full sun, and uh, it, it gets watered and what have you. But and our neighbours got lavender in their front garden, which is semi-shaded, and theirs is flowering. And ours looks like it needs a good injection of something. <laughs> Frank, I wonder if it's a different variety than you've got, though. Oh right, okay, could be. If yours are in pots, I'm guessing that you bought them in flower when they look just beautiful. Am I right? Oh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, they do now hybrid a lot of the lavenders uh, and produce ones with, you know, fancy flowers on them with uh, little petals that look like wings and uh, different colours. You know, you can get whites and pinks and purples. Well, you can get purple all the time, but uh, the hybrid ones tend to be a little bit different. But they aren't long-term flowers. They'll probably only yep. flower once a year. So uh, if you, you know, if you look at the, have you still got the label? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Right. Uh, look, uh, if they, you could give them a little bit of fertiliser with something like Flourish to encourage yes. them to flower. Uh, but, you know, they could have just gone into a dormant period now because they're not, the, some of the ones that flower all year round are the French lavender and they do very, very well on the coast. And I'm guessing perhaps that's what your neighbour does have in the garden. Right, OK. Yeah. So, yeah. If, you know, don't overwater it, though, because, you know, they can take a dislike to that as well. Right, OK. And in a All pot, right, well, you know, it could be holding the moisture. Um, if you're seeing water, have you got a saucer under the pot? 
No. No, so it does drain out well. Yes, it does, yeah. Yeah. I uh, wouldn't be surprised uh, if you cast your memory back when you bought it, if they were, you know, something a little bit fancier than what's in yep. your neighbour's garden. All right, then. Well, we we wanted to take them down the backyard where we've got some fruit trees to attract bees. The bees, yes. So, so I'd probably be better off buying um, that French lavender, wouldn't I? You definitely would, bit. Frank, yep, yep. Okay, I'll yep. do that. No, the minute we get them in the nursery, the bees come from nowhere. I'm always surprised because, you know, the outdoor area is concrete. There's no garden beds around. And the other thing they come in for is perennial basil when we get it in stock. And they oh, just right absolutely swarm around. I so, see. yeah, maybe if you um, get the French one, that would be different. All that right, we'll give that a fly. Okay. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Frank, yep. for the call. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And we've got Bev from Toronto, and she's got a question about orchids. Good afternoon, Bev. Oh, hi, Judy. Yes, um, I asked before about the Cattleya orchids, uh, when they've bloomed, and you know that the big leaf turns back, and then where the bloom was, you've got this brown sort of um, shell thing. <laughs> and um, I said, do you cut? when do you cut it off? Where do you cut it off? That's the point. Do you just cut the brown shell thing out of the leaf or do you cut it right, the stalk right back onto the plant? Oh, no, I'd cut it right back onto the plant, dear. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, tell me, have you have you got that catalaya inside? No, it's out on the, um, near the carport under a tree. Right. Because, you know, often they're grown in heated glass houses. No, this has been doing... Well, it was neglected out in the yard before my husband died. It had been out there for quite a while. And I discovered it and thought, oh, I'll bring it up where I can see it. So I put it under the tree um, beside the carport. And uh, I had ten blooms. Oh, really? Oh, Mm. they're gorgeous. They're one of the loveliest orchids. And you don't really see them to buy, do you? No, and it has a perfume too. Mm, that's lovely. And, you know, yeah. we're, of course, we're coming into cymbidium time now, and they're my favourites. I love the long stems and the long, mm. strappy leaves. But yeah. uh, you're doing very well to grow that outside, I think. Yeah, I, I cut it back. We divided it into three plants, but the big one is still big. And I thought, well, it's had all those blooms on it, and I should cut it back, but I wasn't quite sure where to cut it. Yes, no, I'd cut them down to the bottom. Right, and uh, with the cymbidiums, which I don't have, my daughter has in Hornsby, and um, she they had the beautiful blooms on. She's got various colours. And when they finished, she thought, well, I really should split those pots up because they're just too big now. And lo and behold, when she went to do it, there were more shoots and she's had a second lot of orchids on Oh, really? Well, yeah. you know, I, I think with cymbidiums... Uh, a lot of people do try to split them and then they, they're very naughty. They stop flowering for a couple of years. Yeah, so I often suggest that they just get potted up into a bigger pot so they've got a bit more room for the, the bulbs to grow. Yeah, but they are, they're very, very lovely inside in winter. They look beautiful, yeah. Well, she's doing well too, so... Good on you. Yeah, double (laughs) lot, yeah. Well, Bev, thank you very much for the call. And uh, orchids are a very popular plant these days. 
Yes, particularly those. I haven't had much luck with the um, uh, phalaenopsis, the small ones inside. Um, I'm persevering with the last one I was given. Um, I've re- repotted it in some, um, uh, what do you call it, you know, that meshy stuff. <laughs> and, um, Sphagnum moss. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. And then I Googled it and they said that um, uh, folk banana, uh, you know, the skin of the banana cut it up and, and put water on it and soak it and pour that off. That's a good fertiliser for orchids. Oh, right. Well, maybe, maybe not. I've never experimented with that. But the problem with, if I could say, a lot of our Phalaenopsis orchids today are imported. Yes. And uh, they are forcefully grown uh, Mm. and their lifespan can be quite short. Yes, yes. Well, I haven't had much luck with them, but I I hope I do this one. But it's horrible. I've got all these containers where they used to be. (laughs) And dead bodies in them. But, you know, they they do like the morning sunlight. Yeah, yeah. If you've got a spot. In the window, near the window in the kitchen. Yeah. And um, the temperature doesn't change there much um, because I've got a a deck with a shade cloth over it. So it gets, you know, plenty of um, exposure there. But anyway, yeah, I just... um, because they are called Singapore orchids, so as you say, they're imported. Yes, and well, they they actually, um, this is just an interesting fact, Greg. Um, I know a grower that went over uh, to have a look at where the orchids were being manufactured or manufactured instead yep. of grown, and yeah. uh, they load them all into a container, uh, yeah, into a container, and yeah. they, I think they turn the temperature off. And mm. just before they come into port, it's turned up so that mm-hmm. they start to grow again and produce the flowers. So wow. they really are mass-produced when they're imported. So it's nice mm-hmm. if you can buy them from a local grower, actually, and yeah. they're more acclimatised. That can be the problem, mm. I think, yeah. Mm. Thank you very much, Bev, for the call. That was an interesting one. Okay, thank you. Thank you, dear. Bye. Bye. We've got Sue now from Clarence Town, and she's got some tips on resuscitating lavenders. Oh, Sue, thank you. What You're are, welcome. What are the I've tips, got, dear? I've got an English lavender. I used to buy all these lavenders and park them in my front yard for full sun, and that didn't work. So I bought an English lavender and put it out this the south, facing south. It has grown. It's about three metres wide, metre and a half high, and... When I cut it, I cut it and take it to the school for the teachers and one of them wanted to get it going to grow. So what I told her, put half a cup of honey, half a cup of water, put the lavender in it and you'll get the roots and it'll grow. Right, and did they? Yes, and it did. Wonderful. That's a very good tip. Uh, But, you know, some people find English lavender difficult to grow on the coast. Yeah, well, I'm in Clarence Town. Yeah, so, it's, so you're far it's, enough away from yeah. the salt, yeah. And I've also got a native basil. A native basil? Oh, that's interesting. It's a, a long purple uh, sheath with little tiny flowers going up it. Oh, that that's probably the perennial one. That's, yeah. That's the one the I, bees love. Yeah, well, my bees are all over it right now. Yeah, yeah. 
It's and very... I grow that the same way. Oh, in honey and water. Yep. Oh, okay. Well, that's a great tip. I might go and start cutting some up at the nursery and seeing if I make an extra profit, Greg. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Thank you, Sue. I'm always interested in getting little tips like that. Thank you yeah, for the call. Yeah, someone said that to me and I thought, oh, yeah, you're crazy, but no, it does work. It does work. Honey and water. Oh, right, okay. Well, I might start having that for my breakfast instead of wine. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Sue, for the call. Okay, no worries. Thank you, dear. Bye. That's something we can all try, I think. Give it a go. Yeah, yeah. It might be good for our health, Greg. Drinking honey and water. Yeah, it might do something for your hair. What do you mean, my hair? Does it need to grow a bit more? I don't think so. I think it's fine. Sorry, sorry. We've got Sharon from Cardiff, and she's got a question about aloe vera. Oh, good afternoon, yeah. Sharon. Right. Well, I've got a plant of a gardener that knows his stuff. Right, right. So put it in the plant, in the pot, in the cement pot. Now it's got sandy soil and everything else. And I went, oh, okay. I looked it up on YouTube. Now they like that because it's a desert plant. Now he wants to water it during winter because some of it's starting to go brown at the top. Right. Why what? Yep. So do you think it's going brown because you're over-watering it? Yes. Okay. Well, look, they are a succulent, so they don't need an incredible amount of water. Is it out in the open where it's getting the rain? It gets a bit of rain. And a bit of sunshine during winter. Right. Uh, well, they will take the full sun, of course, all year round. Uh, yes. But the brown tips indicate to me you might. Now, with that pot, have you got a saucer underneath it? No. Right, so it drains out completely. Yep. Right, okay. Well, maybe you are overwatering it or maybe it's looking for more sunny position. Idea. Is that, uh, no, would that he, work? He, I keep telling him not to do it, not to do it, and he won't listen to me. I said, no, it's, a, it's like a cactus. It is, definitely. So you're in the right, Sharon. You're giving the right advice. Well, thank you. Yeah. So uh, is he listening? No. Oh, well, now you're <laughs> going to have to tell him and, uh, and uh, hope he believes you. <laughs> He won't believe me anyway, so I don't care. So now I know I'm right. You are right. Yeah, there it is, but in summer it gets full sun in the mornings. Right, and okay. And the heat and everything. Yeah, well, now, see, of course, the sun's changed, so I'd probably move its position. Oh, it's too heavy to lift up. Because there's only one plant now, there's about four. Oh, right. They Look, they're fairly easy to grow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, you know, you'll find, if you can um, just cut back on the watering, you'll find it'll come good, Sharon. That's what I told him. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I could help Thank you, dear. Bye. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thank you, darling. Bye. Bye. We've got Coralie from Madawi, and she's got a question about standard roses. Oh, good afternoon, Coralie. Oh, hello, Judy. Um, yes, I've got... We've been here for 20-odd years, and these two standard roses were here then. Um, recently, this, they flower all the time. Recently this year, they, they've got, like, the trunks and the branches had white 
bits on them, like not on the outside. It looks like it's in the actual stems. So I've sprayed all them right, and it, it's one. But one is like it's like a um, a set of antlers with the and the knot in the middle. So one side of that one's died, but the other one's come back with leaves and that on it. And I don't know what to do with the other bit. Do I cut it off? Oh, Coralie, can you tell me they white roses? Yep. Well, yeah, okay, so they're icebergs. That's why they yes, flower they all are. the time, yep. Yeah. Uh, I've got a confession to make. I've mm-hmm. got two in my front garden and I've lost one of them <laughs> and they are covered in that scale. Everyone yeah. seems to have it at the moment. Uh, yeah. What did you spray it with, darling? Um, white oil. Yeah, look, you might have to go a bit further. I actually put a bit of malathon in my white oil. Uh, because uh-huh. uh, mine went from every branch all the way down the trunk and the stake and it was a real mess. But I did lose one, but I managed to save the other one. Yeah, the other one's fine. It's all flowering. But this one's just got like, it's flowering on one, uh, the leaves on one side, but the other side looks dead. It sort of broke off in the middle, but it's still got like one branch outside and I don't know what to do with it. Well, I would it's... I would cut off the one that looks dead. Uh, yeah, and uh, you think it might shoot out again? I think it will definitely, particularly okay. when you come to pruning time. Uh, you're at Madawi, you'd probably prune what the end of June or early July. Oh, I, look, I, I prune them all the time, and they just they just flower all the time. Oh, then. they're wonderful plants, aren't they? They are. Yeah, yeah, I'm so disappointed. I've lost one of mine, but uh, uh, it was bad gardening on my part. I didn't take enough. I saw it going backwards because it's right near the front door, and then yeah. I investigated. And I, when I got up close, I thought, ah, oh, wretched scale, but I'd left it too late. So just yeah, try and I think add I did a, with this. Yeah, well, yeah. add a little bit of malathon in your white oil, dear. Mm. All right. Okay. okay. Thanks yep. for the Thank call, you. Coralie. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Guarding talk back on 2NURFM. Judy Sharp, we're almost out of time for another week. But is there anything else you want to mention before you – there's a few more things, I think, on that list. There are. Just – I've got to talk quick, have I? No, you've got about – Two, two minutes. Oh, two minutes. Okay. Well, it's time to plant stocks and primula, and, of course, you know what they are. Yes. Yeah. Just fresh it by me again one more time. They're stocks and primula are annuals. Oh, okay, yep. Okay. But stocks are highly perfumed, and if you want to impress someone, you go down to the best florist in town, and I know I'm not allowed to mention names, yep. um, and buy a bunch of stocks. The perfume is incredible. So it's time to plant those out-as-baby seedlings. And before you do that, you prepare the soil by... Most soil at this time of year could be acidic. Now, not to confuse you now, Greg. Yes. But for for winter planting, (laughs) we need the soil to be alkaline. Now, to make soil alkaline, you either add poultry manure or you can add a bit of lime. And it's important you do that probably a week before you plant. So stocks and primula. And primula are beautiful. And they sometimes come up as little babies next year. They're very, very um, rewarding. Oh, okay. And, okay, if you're growing veggies, which you are, of course, I know you're really into that kind of thing. Always do, yep. Yeah, well, you'd be planting peas at this time of year. Yep. Not sweet peas. Oh, Peas. Okay, peas. Peas. Uh, You need to lime the soil before you start planting them. Okay. Because they like an alkaline soil too. I find most winter things 
most winter plants do like the soil to be a bit alkaline, whereas in the summer, sometimes they mostly look for acidic soil. Okay. Judy. Have I confused you a little no, bit? No, you haven't, but we've run out of time. So we'll have to work it out next week. Okay. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> Guiding tour back on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>